Welcome to Musically Challenged, your weekly helping of random music conversations based on whatever topic the guys choose. Their goal is to entertain and inform you on a variety of themes. This podcast is an expression of their lifelong love and commitment to music. Simply stated, music is life. This show may include adult themes and language. Once again, welcome to Musically Challenged. Here are your hosts, Chad and Lou. Welcome to episode 32 of Musically Challenged, your weekly helping of random music conversations based on pretty much whatever topic we want. I'm your host, Chad Knight, and with me, as always, is Lou Schwalbach. What's up? This week, we're going back to the mailbag and let a guest listener be part of the show. Like before, we'll be going over an outside playlist given to us by a listener and give it our well-educated and (laughs) non-biased, hey, stop that laughing, opinions on the songs, good or bad. As a reminder, we have chosen not to accept any stipulations such as don't hate on XX band because I like them, or don't be mean. We won't be pulling any punches regardless of whomever the guest chooser is, so there will be no favoritism displayed, just our pure, unadulterated opinions. Potential submitters, don't say you weren't warned. Now, before I get into any of this, I'm going to talk about the rating system we use. Okay. So... The rating system, we've heard it on the two other ones. We don't do it on our normal episodes, but we thought, you know, as a as a flavor change, okay. when we get these mail, when we get these ones through the email or whatever, we are going to use a rating system. So the rating system is a 1 to 10. And basically what we're going to be saying by that is if it's between a 1 and a 3, it's pretty much a we don't like it. We're not going to go out. We're going to change the radio if it comes on. It's it's not good. One to three is not where you really want to be. No, not at all. Now, four to six is one of those songs where it's like, it's all right, but I'm not going to go looking for it. But if it comes on the radio, I'm not going to change it. I don't love it or hate it. Right. It's just kind of there. And, of course, you can look at that range from four to six and go, okay, so he's he's a lot more likely to be okay with it at four. But at six, it's like he's almost over the edge there. Okay. And then the final section is 7 to 10, and this is where we find something that is really good, something that we're maybe going to go look for, but something that definitely is something where we're like, I like that song. I can, at any time, I can listen to that song. So that's kind of where the ratings are. So to continue on, this week's playlist was brought to us by our faithful listener, Dawn M. We say M for two reasons. First is that we don't know if she wants her last name spoken online. Secondly, and more importantly, we have no clue how to actually pronounce it. Well, Lou, it's Muscovitsk. Okay. And I talked to Dawn, and she's fine with us using it on the show. Well, I would hope so, because you just did. I know. (laughs) Dawn sent us a list of various artists and songs that she would like us to listen to and talk about. The common thread for Dawn is that they're all songs that feature and come up often on many of her playlists. She does lose points for not sticking to the 14-song limit rule, but we won't hold that against her as the additional song deals with a subject near and dear to my heart. Like last time, we'll have to ask, will we discover some new artists that we may just have to start listening to, or will it be junk that we could have lived without? Will we feel our lives enriched and better for listening to these, or will we feel cheated and wish we had that precious time from our lives back? Guess you'll have to keep on listening to find out. Without further ado, let's get the show started. Lou, you have something new we're going to start. Yeah, I think what we're going to do is we're going to try doing a trivia question. So we're going to start. Ooh, trivia! Exactly. What we're going to do is we're going to give a question at the beginning of the episode, 
And then before we finish up, we'll actually give the answer rather than make you wait till the next week because, well, let's face it, we're scatterbrained. We may forget to give you the answer. And then we're going to have to listen to all you people calling in or writing in and saying, what's the answer to this one? And we're going to be like, oh, we're really sorry. Here's the answer. If we do it all in one episode, we don't run the, Well, we still run the risk of forgetting to give the answer. I'll be honest. We do. Fair enough, yeah. But it's a lot less of a risk than than without. Plus, this way, you're more likely to finish the whole episode to find out what the answer is instead of just listening to the first part of the next one. Kind of like the people who went and saw whatever movie, episode one, just to see the the car, the Transformer ad, just to see the car, and then they left. Are you serious? There are people who went, because it was a concept car, who went and saw Transformers just because of the concept Camaro that they had and then left. That's ridiculous. I would agree with that, you know, but some people are car people and those people are stupid. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) I kid, I kid. (laughs) Anyways, moving on. Here's our question for today. Johnny Cash's estate was approached by an ad firm asking permission to use his song Ring of Fire for what item? Hmm, that's an interesting one. I think, well, I'm not going to guess, obviously, because I know the answer, but... I know where my mind went when you read it to me in the beginning. <laughs> so with that, I'm just going to say, let's get started here. All right. Now, I think you, I'm going to let you go first because I'm that kind of guy. Well, you know, nobody ever said you were not a gentleman except your wife and that guy I met downtown last week. Oh, I was a total gentleman to him. Everyone else can fuck off. Oh, okay. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> so we're going to start off with the song Walk Away by Tom Waits. It's a classic sounding blues song. Now, Dawn may disagree with me on that, but that's what the the feel of the song brings up in my mind. Tom Waits is an American singer, songwriter, composer, and actor. Waits has a distinctive voice described by critic Daniel Dirchholz as sounding as though it was soaked in a vat of bourbon, left hanging in the smokehouse for a few months, and then taken outside and run over with a car. What do you think of that one, Lou? <laughs> I can't disagree with that. I was going to say, and it's not necessarily wrong. No, no. Why don't we take a listen to that? Well, there's murder at 103. William Ray shot Cora Belly. A yellow dog knows when he's seen. You want to walk away and start over again. No more rain. So Waits has built up a distinctive musical persona with his trademark growl, his incorporation of pre-rock musical styles such as blues, jazz, and vaudeville, and experimental tendencies verging on industrial music. He has worked as a composer for movies and musicals and has acted in supporting roles in films including Paradise Alley and Bram Stoker's Dracula. I love this song. It makes me happy to hear. There's limited music in it, and they use a lot of rhythmic hand clapping. Mm-hmm. As music. I just think the song deserves a better rating uh, than most of the songs on her list. I'll be honest. I, I give it a 7 out of 10. Okay. You know, and I listen to this one. It has a really good old bluesy sound. I mean, he would be one that you would, put, if you listen to it on album, you'd almost expect to hear like the scratching of the needle on the on the vinyl. And, right. And it would sound in place. It reminded me a lot of Screamin' Jay Hawkins, the I Put a Spell on You song. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was okay. I would, I'm going to give it a solid five. Fair enough. I thought it was just middle of the road. Okay. What do you have for us? All right. My first one that I've got is Breathe by The Prodigy. Prodigy are an electronic electronica group out of England. 
Their style is mainly considered big beat, which is electronic music that relies on heavy backbeats and synth-generated loops, which is hard to say quickly, but could be considered techno, rave, or alt-dance. Breathe was a pretty huge international hit, reaching top 10 in Australia, Austria, Belgium, the Netherlands, New Zealand, and Switzerland, and got number one in Denmark, Finland, Ireland, Norway, Sweden, and the UK. France hit number 26, and the U.S. peaked at 18. Pretty popular everywhere else, but the U.S. said, eh, it's, at least it made the list, right? Let's take a quick listen. Most techno rave songs don't hit the radio, but this one seemed to be radio-friendly hardcore, where normally it's just not the type of thing you'd hear on the radio, but this one just works. It's a quick moving five and a half minute song, or just under four in the radio edit, that just incites you to move. I mean, you listen to this one here, and if you're still sitting when the song kicks in, there's something wrong with your legs, because it just seems to keep moving. I think it would be on everybody's workout playlist. Like if you're at the gym or whatever else, this one would just kind of infuse you with adrenaline keep you moving or if you need something to get something done that you don't want to do like housework or dishes or laundry or whatever you put this in the background and it's kind of the energy you need to keep going it's kind of the shot of adrenaline i guess you could say it's a musical adrenaline i give this a solid six or, i'm sorry i apologize a solid seven a i can't read my own handwriting a solid seven yes i'm gonna disagree with you on this one <laughs> i figured you would by the look on your face not overly familiar with this band to begin with okay. i've heard of them but this song is very close to that, to me anyway, to that industrial feel of bands like Nine Inch Nails and and, and the like of, of of bands. Okay. And maybe it's just this song, because like I said, I'm not, I don't know this band. I was not impressed by the song or the band. I don't have a lot to say except that the lead singer looks like Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Tell me I'm wrong. I can't argue that at all. So I, and with that, I mean, I give this one a three. A little painful, but uh, that's perfectly okay because you have your opinion. And that's what this show is about, my opinion. <laughs> Sometimes, yes. <laughs> well, it's my turn to talk anyway. There you go. All right. So up next, I saw this song on the list, and I said, oh, not that band. <laughs> but then I realized I was thinking of the whole wrong band. Really? Yes. So the song that I'm talking about here is Perhaps, Perhaps, Perhaps by Cake. For some reason, I was thinking that Cake was whole. Oh, well, I can see they're the same as far as their one-word band titles. And four letters. And four letters. But they're nothing alike. No, good lord, no. This song is about a man who wants a yes or no from his lady love, and all she gives him is perhaps. He's thinking that he is in danger of getting his heart broke on a perhaps, so let's take a listen. If you really love me, say yes, but if you don't, dear, confess, and please don't tell me, perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. So Cake is an alternative American rock band from Sacramento, California, consisting of singer John McCrea, trumpeter Vince DeFlore, 
guitarist Zan McCurdy, bassist Gabe Nelson, and drummer Paulo Baldi. The band has been noted for McCrea's sarcastic lyrics and monotone vocals. The four East trumpet parts and their wide-ranging musical influences, including country music, mariachi, rock, funk, Iranian folk music, and hip-hop. I guess if I had to put a label on this one from the list of that, I'd say this is kind of a mariachi-influenced song. It's kind of got that happy guitar beat to the back of it, but it's, I thought it was a really good song. I mean, I'd give this song a solid six, maybe verging on a seven. Okay. So, I honestly never cared for Cake. The band, my fat ass loves Cake. The the dessert. Most of their stuff is spoken word with music thrown in the background. It's a solid meh for me. Okay. Um, I think they did one song that I actually cared for, which was Never There, that played on the radio a lot. I found it boring, and I was happy when it ended. This is a two for me. A two? Really? I really did not care for the song. Well, like you just gave me the passive, that's my opinion. That's your opinion. There you go. We're so, gonna, what do you got next? We're going to change things up a little bit, and we're going to move over to Christina Aguilera with the song Bound to You off of the Burlesque soundtrack. Now, former Mickey Mouse Club member Christina Aguilera... Oh, God, I forgot about that. I know, right? ...has been giving us her strong voice music since August of 1999. Although in the beginning she was more pop-centric music, such as like Genie in a Bottle and, and Come On Over, things like that, she matured, as did her musical styles and releases. Bound to You, as I mentioned before, comes in the later part of her career off the burlesque soundtrack. Let's take a quick listen. Boy, song she gives us more of her powerhouse voice which if you really think about it she has got a hell of a voice i mean she's got a set of lungs on her like you can't imagine yeah i i can't disagree with that (laughs) i personally prefer more of her upbeat material but that's just me the song's a good decent overall song it's one of those that i could see being sung at karaoke and being destroyed in a bad way yeah, I was going to say, that a karaoke would be bad, man. Bad! Um, I can also see somebody, a female artist in concert, trying to cover this one and not being very successful with it. No, but I could see female artists in concert. I could see Lady Gaga doing a decent version of it. An arrangement of it. Yeah, I could see Gwen Stefani actually covering that pretty well. I think other artists could do an arrangement, but as far as like a straight-up remake of it, I don't think would be successful. I might disagree with you on that, but... Fair enough. I'm going to say this one was a six for me. Okay. Pretty close to a seven, actually, but just a pretty a high-end six. How about that? Okay. So now, Bound to You is not your standard Christina. But this song was for the movie Burlesque, as you said. And I honestly think this showcased her vocal ability that the pop music she's known for never did. I was, I was enthralled by this song. I really enjoyed this song. I enjoyed this song at a level seven. I mean, I really enjoyed this song. If if I knew going out and looking for more Christina Aguilera would lead me to stuff like this, I'd do it. But I know that's not going to happen. No, it'd be more of the Pac Central type stuff. Right, and and I never enjoyed that kind of stuff. I, I like the beat of it. I don't the lyrics. I don't care about because I don't listen to music often for the lyrics. But the beat is good. It, but I can see where you're coming from. 
All right, fair enough. So you got next for me? Next for you, I have the squirrel nut zippers. Yep. I said squirrel nut zippers. <laughs> and the saw, they're, they're an American swing band formed in 1993 in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. The band's music is a fusion of Delta Blues, Gypsy Jazz, 1930s era swing, klezmer, I don't know what that is, and other styles. They found commercial success during the swing revival of the late 1990s, and their 1996 single, Hell, written by Tom Maxwell, I love swing music. Uh, This song, though considered swing, isn't as high energy as I would expect for a swing song. Well, listen for yourself. That said, I really like the song about a night at a nightclub called Lafitte, I would guess. I mean, the song is Evening at Lafitte's. You know, I give this a solid six. Maybe maybe edging on seven again. You know, and I am I didn't get into the into the jazz revival like everyone did back the, the in the day. The swing revival? Yes, like this Cherry Poppin' Daddies and Brian Setzer and all this other stuff. See, and I love that stuff. You know, and I don't hate it, but I, right. I wasn't one that went out and bought all the revival ones. It just wasn't me. Squirrel Nut Zeppers is one of those revival bands. That being said, the song's got a really sweet swinging, swinging jazzy style is the way I, I like to word that. The lady's got a great voice. Absolutely. I love her voice. The music was really good. I have to say, this is probably one of Don's top choices, in my opinion. This, I would say, was a high seven for me. Okay. Fair enough. All right. So, what do you got next? Next, we have Fall of the Seraph by Crystal Bright and the Silver Hands. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, Crystal Bright and the Silver Hands formed in 2010 in North Carolina. The name Silver Hands comes from a brother's grim fairy table, or, or a fairy table... Fairy tale. I like fairy tables. Well, I'm reading the word fable, but I'm trying to say fairy tale at the same time. Ah. So, anyways, called the Handless Maiden as she felt that her band helped her fulfill her music creativity, kind of like the new hands helped fulfill in the fable. She's got a really good yearning voice. Let's take a listen to it. being said i was kind of bored by this she seems to be trying to hit you in the feels but i think misses the mark don't get me wrong it sounds pretty but that just wasn't enough to me not to be tired by it i mean it made me physically exhausted almost now re-listening to it it reminds me a lot of the old jefferson airplane when it's sung but it's also slightly spoken i don't hate it by any means i just want to put that out there i just don't really care for it she does have points for having a cool middle name though okay so i'm gonna say five just middle of the road All right, fair enough. Now, I found this to be high-pitched, whiny, with amazing vocals, superb music ability. I don't know where to go with my thoughts on this one. (laughs) I just, I want to like it, but I want to hate it. And 
the hate consumes me. Okay. So you went to the dark side on this one. I, I kind of did. It's all about indecision in my brain. Because even listening to this, just a little while before we did this, I was like, I want to I wanna love it. Because there's something about it that just pulls me to it. Mm-hmm. And yet, on the surface, it is nothing I would ever listen to. I want to hate it so bad. Okay. And because of that and the indecision, I give it a 5 of 10. Okay. I just can't, I can't decide. And I will probably end up listening to this song a few more times just to try to make... A decision? Make a decision. <laughs> awesome. But, yeah, so that's what I've got on that one. I mean, she's got a she's got a beautiful voice. She does. She absolutely does have a very good voice. But she goes into this whiny register every once in a while, and it's just like, ah. Oh. And, and the way she plays the piano, she can play a piano. Oh, yeah. You know, so I don't know. But there are plenty of other artists that can that don't sound like a whiny little girl. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So up next, I have... Get to have fun. Guns N' Roses. Uh, Don't cry. Guns is an American hard rock band from Los Angeles formed in 1985. The lineup, when first signed to Geffen Records in 1986, consisted of vocalist Axl Rose, lead guitarist Slash, rhythm guitarist Izzy Stradlin, bassist Duff McKagan, and drummer Steven Adler. Guns N' Roses has released six studio albums. I always thought it was more than that. It always feels like there's more music out there than that. It feels like it's more because they took freaking forever to release Chinese Democracy. Well, they did. They took like 15 years. But, I mean, even... people still waited for it. I did. I went and bought it the day it came out. Of course you did. And honestly, have you listened to Chinese Democracy at all? No. It is probably their best album today. They lost me with the spaghetti incident. Well, that that was just a covers. They lost me with it. Anyway... The old band is back together these days, minus Izzy and Steven. The song Don't Cry is a plea to leave the past behind and please don't cry. This power ballad is about change and a breakup. The music video is based around a funeral, and maybe that's what Axel was talking about in these lyrics, but I don't think it's that dark, honestly. I think it's more about just something that's lost and moving on and not crying about it. But here, take a listen. Now, this is one of my favorite gun songs ever. In fact, there are two versions of this song, one released on Use Your Illusion 1 and the other on Use Your Illusion 2. And now this one, the one that I hope we did was the original lyrics off of of 2, which I believe is the original lyrics. Don't quote me on that, but I give this song a solid 7. What do you you think, Lou? What's your thought on this? Well, hearing that this is one of your favorites, um, I even have it written right here that I know this is going to break your heart. (laughs) This song is boring. I I like when it kicks in later on, which is like, what, maybe the two, maybe three minute mark or so? Yeah, two and a half, three minute mark. When it kicks in, when the guitars go in here, like the heavy electric guitars, I'm okay with it. It's all right, but the song overall is boring. I personally think that Axel should not be allowed to do ballads. Only rock songs is my own personal opinion. I don't hate guns. I don't love them as much as you do. I'm going to give this one a three. 
Okay. I don't hate the song, but it's just it's too boring for me. I, I will flip over to the next track or one of the other ones that actually has more rock to it. I like it for the simple fact that the meaning. I, I the meaning on this one is what gets me. Is the is the fact of the lyrics and the words and and that kind of stuff. So it's the feels. And, and so, so put in in your words, it's the feels that get me on this one. I will take November Rain over this any day November because Rain I think is November good. Rain was composed and done way better than this one. Fair enough. But that's that's just how I feel about that. Exactly. That's your opinion, and even though it's wrong, I will let you have it. <laughs> All right, I appreciate that because so, I have a feeling we're going to be differing on a later song. Mo- most likely. What do you got next? Next, we're going to go with Ciara with the song "My Goodies." Yeah. All right. So let's get started. Ciara came onto the scene and gave us this gem. Wow, that sounds like it was steeped in sarcasm. Can you hear the inflection in my voice, folks? In 2004, it's pretty simply about a woman who is constantly being hit on by ballers who have lots of money and or bling or whatever the fuck they flash to get laid out at the bars. And she shuts them down saying they're not going to get her goodies, which... We, we don't need a map to determine what the hell she's talking about. I think you should go into detail and discuss this with us about what she... No, I'm, I'm going to take a hard pass on that one. <laughs> Anyways. This move, is not health class. No, not so much. And if honestly, if you need to be told what that means, I don't think you're old enough to be listening to this podcast. Let's just take a listen to this song so we can rag on it later. I can visualize the song being played at a high volume in a dance club or a dance bar of some kind. It's got a decent beat to it, but the tempo is just way too slow to listen to unless you're out to bump and grind on someone. The up and down siren noise that is is in there would be okay if it were a little bit, but it goes throughout the whole goddamn song. And that just gets really grating. Her voice is not bad, but it did come out in the decade when there are plenty of other artists who are out there who are equally good, if not better... And their songs weren't irritating as shit. I found this to be a very solid pass. And this is my lowest rated one. I'm giving it a one. Did not care for this at all. All right. So, the song is really bad. It just has so much against it. One, it's rap. And I say this every time we bring up a rap song, but I cannot wait till we do our rap episode. Because I think it's going to be hilarious. I just, I think when people listen to our rap episode, they're going to be like, these guys are the whitest guys ever. Which, and by the way, is be true. right. Yeah. But one, it's rap. Two, the lyrics the lyrics are very degrading to women. And it's a woman singing it. I know she's trying to be empowered. It's partly a woman. Then we got this PDP or whoever the hell the guy is named. But, I mean, he just sounds like a mushmouth turd in this song. Yeah, exactly. But and I guess I'm looking more at what he was saying. It makes it very hard for me to listen to because it it's just degrading almost but that's that's my thought that's what i get from it i too gave this a rating of one i i really don't have any use for this song it it could die and never be heard again i'd be okay with that okay so let's let's get some redemption up in this place we can do that up next i have gary jules he's an american singer songwriter best known for his cover version of the tears for fears song mad world which he recorded with his friend Michael Andrews for the film Donnie Darko. Have you ever seen Donnie Darko? I did. That movie was fucked up. It is fucked up. But it's 
amazing too. Now, it wasn't as big a hit in, in America as it was in the UK. It fucking blew up in the UK. Oh, and it's gotten a really strong cult following for here too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it became the UK Christmas number one single of tw- 2003. Christmas. Since, well, Christmas single, number one, so on Christmas Day. Let's listen to a Christmas song. No. Since then, Jules' version has been used on many American TV shows such as CSI Crime Scene Investigation, Jericho, The O.C., Smallville, and House, as well as in a commercial for the video game Gears of War. Let's take a listen. And I find it kind of funny, I find it kind of sad, the dreams in which I'm dying are the best I've ever had. I find it hard to tell you, I find it hard to take When people run in circles, it's a very, very mad world I'm not sure if this is an anti-suicide or a pro-suicide song. Either way, it's a very sad song, and I think the message is very poignant, whether for good or bad is dependent on which this is, whether it's anti or pro-suicide. I mean, that's just kind of what I get from it. Not super high on my list, but definitely better than goodies. I, I give it a solid four. Okay. The song was super chill. I did not know that this was a cover of a Tears for Fears song. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I did I mean, not get the chance to listen to the Tears for Fears song either, so I don't know how it's changed. So Okay. I mean, it's this is one that, I mean, it's played in movies a lot. I you had mentioned the the Gears of War commercial, which being a video game person, that I knew because I'm like I know this song and I know it from a commercial and right. from movies. It's obviously a dramatic song, uh, regardless of what the meaning is on this one here, be it pro anti suicide or relationships, whatever the case is. It's a good song, not one I'd listen to often, right? Because it is while it's a good song, it's also one that can really kind of put you in a melancholy mood. Yeah, it could mess with your. Psyche, I think. I think it would mess if, up your chemical level, levels, actually. Right. If, you're, if your psyche is off in any way, if you're already a little sad, I mean, I can see this just taking you down the rabbit hole. Oh, absolutely. Kind of pushing you across that edge. Right. Because it's a good song, not because it's a one that I listen to often, I'm going to give it a high six. Um, but again, too, not one that I'm going to go out and listen to often because it would just kind of ruin my day. I can see that. I, I really can. All right. What do you got next? Next is the song Whiter Shade of Pale by Procol Harum, if that's how you pronounce that. If not, let him call me and tell me otherwise. Now, Procol Harum are an English progressive rock band that formed in 1967. They scored a number one hit in the UK and US with this, their debut single. Enjoyed moderate success with nine studio albums. Really? Yeah. None of them charting as high as their debut until they broke up in 1977. Fast forward to 1991, where the surviving members reunited and have been working together ever since, releasing three more albums up until, at the latest, April of this year. Really? Yeah. Let's take a quick listen to Wider Shade of Pale. This song has been 
considered to be a very influential part of the 1967 Summer of Love, where the the hippie flower children gathered in San Francisco. I'll admit it, this is one of those songs that when I saw the title, I was like, the hell is this? I, I didn't know what this was until it started playing and that opening organ came in and the switch flipped. I'm like, oh, I know this song, but I had no idea what it was called or who did it. It's also another one that's been played in a lot of different movies. There's a strong emotional love scene or theme that's played usually when this comes in or some kind of heartbreak. It's it's a great classic song. I think it's a very good choice. This is also, for me, another high six, low seven. Okay. When this music started, I'm like, I know the music. I know the song. I had no idea who the band was. Protocol Harem? What do you even... That's one of those band names where you just kind of hear it and you go... What? It's like those Facebook posts where it's like, pick the first name, a first letter of your first name, and it's this, and then like the third letter of your middle name, and it's this, and that's your band name. Right, yeah, exactly. It's it's a classic groove, though, man. I mean, this song, I really enjoy listening to it. It is one of those songs that takes you somewhere. Mm-hmm. takes you to that that happy Gilmore day. It takes you to your happy place. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, and you just kind of sit back and, you know, I can see just being mellow to this. I could see a lot of weed being smoked to this song kind of thing, you know, back in the 60s. And I'm just like, I get it. It's It's got something and it's just, I don't know, it's just got something. It's one of those songs where I can't tell you why I like it. You just do. But I do. You know what? I, I can see this is this is one and Let's let's put a mental image out there for you. The lights are almost down. It's the last song of the night. You and your significant other are dancing on the floor, not paying attention to the lyrics, just the music to this. Oh yeah. I mean that's I mean that's in a nutshell right there. Boom, right there. That's 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 panty dropper. It could be, yeah. <laughs> you know. I mean if they played Boys to Men after that, then you're in like Flynn. <laughs> True. I actually went big on this rating. I gave this a nine five. Wow. Yeah. I really like this song, and just sitting there listening to it again, it was just like, yeah. I'm like, I was born at the wrong time. You got I, your groove on, didn't you? I did. I totally got my groove on. It was, it was, <laughs> it was worthy, man. It was worthy. All right. So up next, I've got one, and actually, you'll probably be surprised to hear this, or maybe you won't. I have a Prince song. It is a Prince song. No way. It is a Prince song I have never heard of, and I had never even knew existed. It's off an album that I've never heard of. Okay. I mean, Prince has a huge catalog. Yeah, it is. But anyway, it's called It's About the Walk. Prince Rogers Nelson was an American singer-songwriter, actor, multi-instrumentalist, philanthropist, dancer, and record producer. Okay, pause. Actor? Well, yeah, in his own movies. Oh, I forgot. He was in Purple Rain. I forgot about he was that. I forgot about Under that. the Cherry Tree. I didn't know about the second one. Purple Rain, that basically the self-promoting. Oh know, yeah, he was selling an album with that video. God. I mean, with Morris Day in the Time. Come on, Morris Day in the Time are the bomb. You never speak an unkind word about the time. <laughs> they are the bomb, man. Moving on. All right. But anyway. Uh, he was a musical innovator who was known for his electric work, flamboyant stage presence, extravagant dress and makeup, and wide vocal range. His music integrates a wide variety of styles, including funk, rock, R&B, new wave, soul, psychedelia, and pop. He has sold over 100 million records worldwide. Is that all? Making him one of the best-selling artists of all time. Let's take a listen to It's About That Walk.
This is a Prince song, as I said already, I am unfamiliar with. And, and the song says that it doesn't matter where you come from, it's about that walk. Which means Prince was checking out asses. Which is a little surprising to me, but whatever. You know, I've always, I mean, obviously that's that's been a concern out there. But he's had kids. He He's had wives. It's not like, you could say he's straight up gay, could you? I mean... I think he might have played both sides of the fence, if anything. Possibly, but he was definitely metrosexual. Oh, yeah. You know, um... Or pan, maybe? Pan, maybe. <laughs> I don't know what the terms are nowadays. I don't either, but, you know, I always, I always make the joke that I'm trisexual. I'll try anything sexual once. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, I really like the music, and Prince uses his falsetto voice in this one. I think it's very classic-sounding Prince, even though it came from before classic-sounding Prince. I give this one a solid nine. You were a bit more generous on it than I was. I like his older stuff. I'm, okay. I'm not one to go out and buy his entire catalog. I would get a Greatest Hits one and be perfectly okay with listening to that. That being said, this appears to be f- before he found his musical balls. Okay. Because... Explain. Ex- okay. It almost seems like he was trying different things before he actually found his groove. But that was the thing about Prince. He was always changing what he did. Uh, yeah, but usually when he changed... I mean, he found his... In, well, I think it was mid-90s or... or uh, no, I would say, okay, let's rewind a little bit. Let's say 80s through mid-90s was probably one of his most successful time periods. Yeah, absolutely. That is the music that everybody knows and, and pretty much attributes to him. Yeah. Anything after that, people are like, oh, well, it's Prince. Yay, okay, cool. Anything before that, people are the same thing. Like, oh, hey, it's Prince. Cool, we'll listen to it well, because it's Prince. I'm in that middle group where I like the current stuff that I know that sounds like Prince. I like my print stuff from 86 to 94. Something to that effect, right, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but before and after, it's still prints, so I'm not going to say it's terrible, but I just think that it's a little bit neutered. I mean, and not just because of the high tone of the voice. It's, <laughs> well, that was that was a standard for him. He would hit his falsetto. I mean, the guy had a range of, I can't remember what it was, like five or six octaves, which for the human voice is huge. You know, the average person has like two or three maybe. So, you know, but what's what's your... Uh, I'm, uh, ri- I'm saying five, middle of the road. Okay. I can see where you're coming from on that. I mean, Prince is one of those guys, I've always been a big Prince fan, and yes, I gravitate more towards that, you know, 86 to 94 era. I think everybody does. Right. But you can't take away the fact that he's always been an innovator. In fact, early on, he almost, it was really hard for him to get any sort of backing from an, a studio because... He was so different. Mm-hmm. And he sang about things that you don't necessarily sing about at that time. Right. You know, it's 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 sad that he's gone because I think he still had a lot of music in him. But then again, you know, there was the whole trademark thing with the Prince versus the artist formerly known as Prince that fucked up symbol. Mm-hmm. But his music really suffered during that period. And then once he came back as Prince... I think he had gone too far with the whole Warner Brothers slave thing mm-hmm. that even though the music sounded more like that stuff from the 80s and 90s, nobody was interested anymore. No, they're just hearing, sick of hearing about him complaining about the label. Right, right. You know, it's it's off topic here a little bit about like the baseball strike of 95. You know, people saw the strike and then they came back and are just like, don't care anymore. Right, absolutely. So what do you got next? Next, I've got a band called Cowboy Mouth, and the song is called Let Me Hold It Open. Now, Cowboy Mouth is a Louisiana-based band that formed in 1992. They are named 
as apparently somebody who has a cowboy mouth is kind of someone who has a trucker mouth. You know, says off-color things, but... Don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. Something like that, right. You know, just vulgar, but not terrible. And that's kind of where they got their tone from. Their style is alternative rock with some jam and folksy added in. They saw some early success shortly after forming in the early to mid-90s. But as the 2000s drew, their sales dwindled, which caused them to be dumped by their label. They weren't dissuaded, though. They soldiered on and focused more on live shows than working with labels. They did work with some indies and produced this song. And let's take a listen. Now I have left through all this before, and I don't plan to take any more. So if you want to walk out the door, then let me hold it open for you. I'm taking more than I'm going to take. You've broken more than you're going to break. So if you want to make this mistake, then let me hold it open for you. Now, when I first heard this, it sounded a little like it was slowed down, Americanized version of Live in La Vida Loca. I mean, if you put the two next to each other, they have kind of a simple beat and vibe yeah, to it. Yeah, I, I suppose I can see that. That's not a bad thing. Right. Um, it just wasn't expected. The band overall is quirky, which is kind of an acquired taste, but I have to say I acquired the taste. I really enjoyed this one. I can't say anything bad except for it's not really my style. They definitely have talent, and I would definitely take a listen to more of this stuff, actually, because I enjoyed the song. And your rating would be? My rating? Hey, thanks for reminding me. Yeah. It would be a seven. All right. Now, the feel I got from this song is, I'm done with your shit. If you want to leave, I'll hold the door open for you. I mean, that's really what the song is all about. And as you had mentioned, don't let the door hit you in the ass. on the way out. I guess I'd say this song is rock and roll, though it really doesn't fit there. It's got something else. It does have almost like a Spanish beat to it. Yeah. Which is where the Live and Live and came from. I really enjoyed the music, energy of this song. I like the vocals of the lead singer. I, I enjoy his vocals. I mean, his enthusiasm. Yeah, and the fact that he's got a decent voice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I find all that to be really cool too. That said, I mean, it's one of those songs. I'm not going to run away from it, but I'm not going to necessarily go find more cowboy mouths. I gave it a six. That's fair enough. Yeah. It just, don't let the door hit you or the good Lord split you. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like something my dad would say. I've heard it before. I mean, obviously, it's the nicer way of saying what we said earlier. Yeah, yeah. So what would you? What are you going to come up with next? Up next, I am going to do Storm the Sorrow by Epica. It's an amazing, amazing song. Now, I didn't know about Epica until a few months ago, actually, Dawn introduced me to Epica at one point, and I mm-hmm. was on her list. Right. But Epica is a Dutch symphonic metal band founded by guitarist and vocalist Mark Jansen after his departure from After Forever. Born as a symphonic metal band with gothic tendencies, later Epica have incorporated into their sound strong death metal influences. Starting from the third album, even progressive metal attitudes have been have become evident. This is a song about dealing with the pain of life. It's a song about time and how life is hard, and even though it's hard, don't waste your time or tears on the past. Keep moving forward. Let's take a listen. I 
like I said, I really like this song. The sound of the band, to me, is a lot like Evanescence. And I've said that to Dawn, and I don't think she agrees with me. But it's like Evanescence, and then this guy comes in with this very death metal chanting type vocals in the middle of the song. And my comparison falls to shit. It really does. <laughs> but that said, I give this song 8 of 10. All right. Now, I have to mention something that I know is on your mind, but you didn't mention that. The lead singer. Okay. She's gorgeous. She is. I She's... think Simone something or other. Yeah. Maybe? Yeah, something like that. I think I follow her on Facebook, but she is definitely easy on the eyes. And she's funny as hell on Facebook. Oh, my God, yeah. So that obviously gives points to this because she's got a great voice. I love her voice, love the look. The music is awesome. I really dig the heaviness of this song. It loses a little bit of points because of the roaring guy vocal in the middle of that. Yeah, I would say if there's anything that draws away from this song, that's it. It would have been a solid 8 for me. It loses a little bit down to a 7 due to that roaring thing. Otherwise, it's still a top 3 choice. Um, I really enjoyed this one. I've been a convert to Epica, checked out a lot of it. You and I have both gone through some of that stuff. So thank you for the reference on that one, Don. But yeah, I I liked it. I just didn't, didn't give me top marks because of that one specific thing right and it's 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 a little thing and in a lot of songs the the two vocals between hers and his they mesh really well in other songs Mm -hmm. but in this song i think it actually takes away from the overall song right the tone of it kind of changes just a little bit yeah it changes the whole tone of the song i mean but it is what it is so what do you got for us next all right my last one is an acdc song which i was thrilled that this was on this list. So another thank you, Don, for me. Yeah, way to go, Don. You gave Lou Manwood. Oh, really? Mr. Guns N' Roses? I didn't say she didn't give me Manwood. Okay, thank you. Anyways, it's If You Want Blood, You Got It. This song's title was the name of ACDC's first live album that was released in October of 1978. Funnily enough, the concert album re- recorded from April 30th of 1978 didn't include this song as part of the set list. Really? Yeah. However... We didn't have, that would be, let's see here, that'd be like Back in Black not having Back in Black on it. We, the faithful ACDC listeners, didn't have to wait long, though, because the song was included on July 1979's release of Highway to Hell. Let's take a quick listen. This one's a quick tempo tune that Bon Scott just runs wild on. Um, it moves along well, and with there's really no downtime until the end of it. It's a solid rock song. It's one of personally my favorite songs, and it is great for any driving list. I mean, I've gotten a few dri- driving songs, and this one is on there almost every time. Speaking of the driving, this song was actually featured during a chase scene of the 2005 Deuce of Hazard movie when they're driving through Atlanta. The movie was decent, wasn't Oscar-winning by any means, It did have a killer soundtrack, with the exception of Jessica Simpson shitting on Nancy Sinatra's cover. Lots of cars, lots of racing, but we all know who the real star in that movie was, and it sure as hell wasn't the Duke Boys. No, it was was the car. car, Exactly. (laughs) No, I'm a a big ACDC mark. I always have been. And this is, you know, Bon Scott, Brian Johnson, that other guy. What is that other guy's name? I refuse to speak it because it's worse than Voldemort. (laughs) Come on. Now... We, uh, we went and checked this out beforehand. He is not the official lead singer. He is the currently touring guest 
lead singer, singer. and that Axel is Rose. W. Axel Rose. Yes. I don't think he does it justice, but that is just me. I mean, obviously the guys in ACDC think he, he does a decent enough job. But the guys in ACDC could be getting senile, for all we know. Well, that's quite possible, but... <laughs> But, you know, I, I understand you don't enjoy it, and I haven't really listened to enough of it to say whether or not I enjoy it. It is akin to you not liking later Van Halen because of Sammy because you wanted Dave to be there. So it's just a matter of it, – it's not so much the ability. It's the it's the actual fact that he's there. No, no, mine's the ability. I don't think he has this right sound for it. But I would agree with that. I think Axel has a, has, has a great vocals. For Guns N' Roses. Mm -hmm. I don't think it fits into the ways of Bon Scott or Brian Johnson. I would totally agree with that. I mean, yes, Brian and Bon had a screeching voice, but in such a way that it actually worked. It's not the hair metal screech. Anyways, moving back to the original song, again, one of my favorites. I I just can't say enough about this one. I think If You Want Blood is a great song. It gets it pumped up. It could be a jock rock song. This is a high eight, low nine for me. All right. It's a classic ACDC-flavored song. I mean... Bon Scott with his with his bellowing vocals. I like the music itself. I don't really care about the lyrics. They don't really call to me in any way. But they also don't make me go, why am I listening to this? So, you know, I would totally have this song on a, on a playlist for like a party mix or a, a driving one. Absolutely. I give it a solid six. All right. So we're going to wrap this one up because, well, Dawn was naughty and she sent us 15 songs. Damn kids. And that's fine, because she said we didn't have to use the last one, but she thought we might like it. So, I have to tell you, before I even give you the name of the band or the song, I love Edgar Allan Poe. Now, what's that got to do with this song? Well, honestly, I wouldn't call it much of a song. It's a reciting of Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven. There is a Celtic-feeling music that plays behind his reading. So let's take a listen to Omnia's The Raven. Soon that ebony bird beguiling my sad fancy into smiling By the grave and stern decorum of the countenance it wore Though thy crest be shorn and shaven, thou I said I sure no craven Ghastly grim and ancient raven wandering on the nightly shore Tell me what thy lordly name is on this night's plutonian shore Quoth the raven Nevermore. The music is beautiful, which is a strange offset to the fact that the lyrics of the poem are not all that beautiful. The lead singer does eventually sing. It's still more talking than singing, in my opinion. Omnia is a self-described neo-Celtic pagan folk band based in the Netherlands and whose members over the year have had Irish, Dutch, Cornish, Belgian, and Persian backgrounds. Their music takes on the form of various cultural routes, from places around the world such as Ireland, England, Cornwall, Persia. And they sing in English, Irish, Breton, Finnish, German, Dutch, Swedish, Latin, and Hindi and play Celtic harp, mouth harp, hurdy-gurdy, bod-haran, guitar, bazookie, didgeridoo, flutes of all kinds, big pipes, various drums, and percussion instruments. And especially rabbits. What? Any Looney Tunes fan will get that, but continue. Okay. So, I'm glad that they did this in English, Yeah, because I'd be really lost if they didn't. But it was, it was amazing. I thought the music behind it, even though it seemed to be polar opposites, if you, if you took them apart and you went, okay, here's the poem, here's the music, they were complete polar opposites. But you put them together, and they actually work together in a way 
that I really enjoyed. I give this eight. All right. As you had mentioned here, it's not really a song, more of an instrumental with someone reading or half-assed singing Edgar Allan Poe's masterpiece, The Raven. This get a solid meh for me because it's... It's okay, Don. I know where he lives. I can give you the address. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll come visit and we can, we can have a conversation about it. I say, okay, take out the poem and it's an amazing, mesmerizing instrumental. Agreed. If, if I could get this as just the musical, which you probably edit the track out of the talking, I would listen to that all the time. That would be a solid eight for me. With the thing put together, even though it has great musical tones to it, the song is a six. Because while I like the poem, I like the music. Together, they just don't go well together. Okay. Fair enough. All right. So that wraps up the actual songs. Now, I think what we, we need to do is we need to revisit that trivia question. So Absolutely. Read the trivia question again, and then we'll give the answer. All right. So the question was, Johnny Cash's estate was approached by an ad firm asking permission to use the song Ring of Fire for what item? What do you think the answer was before you found out what it before was? Before, it is exactly what it is. I That was the first thing, because I'm like, Ring of Fire commercial, and I'm like... It's got to be for hemorrhoids. And you're exactly right. It's for hemorrhoid cream. The request was, as you'd expect, denied. I can't imagine why. But let's be let's be real. That's pretty damn funny. <laughs> it was hilarious. Do you know what company it was, did they say? It did not say. Oh, okay. I, my guess would be Preparation H, because that's really the only one we know about. But I'm sure there's other hemorrhoid creams out there. I'm sure there are. I don't have to use them. I don't either, so. so I, it's not really a market I've looked for. All right. So if you guys want to drop us a line, let us know what you think of this episode or any other episode that we've done up to this point, you can do that easily. You just send us an email at musicchallengepodcast at gmail.com. Or if you want to go the social media way about it, you can find us on Facebook at POI Network or at Musically Challenged Podcast. Any way you want to give us a, a note, encouragement, constructive criticism, don't be an asshole, you know, you can do it in one of those three ways. Now, before we get through all this, Lou, mm -hmm. any words of wisdom? Any final closing words on this one? You know what? I have to say I appreciated this playlist. It had some really good music on it. It had some that I really didn't care for. But, you know, hey, it's, it's your choice, and that's the great part about it. And I just want to say thank you for submitting that. Now, are there any songs on here that you didn't know the music or the artist before that maybe you're going to go check out? Yeah, actually, I think that Cowboy Mouth was one of them that I really kind of liked the way that they feel. I would definitely consider looking into more of their work. Squirrel Nut Zippers I might actually have to look into a little bit more, too, because while I'm not a swing person, it kind of drew me in. Okay. And Epic I'm already into because of Dawn anyways, so I mean right. that... You know, honestly, for me, I... I I'm going to go check out Protocol Harem because I love that song. Okay. And now that I know who did it, it's definitely, to me, it's worth another look. Like you said, Epica, she got us into that a while ago. Other than that, you know, I don't think, I'm already, I've already been following Prince for years, so I might add something to that, but Omnia, I think Omnia is going to be one that I'm going to go check out more stuff on. I Okay, I'll agree with that one. I might have to try to find something like an actual song, not a right. spoken word thing. Yeah, and it would it would definitely have to be that. So, yeah, I'd like to say thank you to Dawn and to all of our other guest 
listeners that have sent in, in uh, stuff up to this point. And if you guys want to hear your own stuff on here, it, it's really easy. Send us an email to the podcast I mentioned earlier. Give us 14 songs from 14 different artists. You can have a theme or not have a theme. Uh, I think Lou found a theme within Dawn's. Not necessarily a theme that I, I would have come up with. I mean, when she sent us the email, she did say it was from her playlist, but it's not what I would have thought of as a theme. No, most most played, I think, is the way is like the ones that come up as most played on multiple playlists. I right. Mean, common threads, I guess you could yeah. say. But you don't have to have a theme. You can just send us 14, you know, these are my favorite 14 songs. Tell me what you think about them. Or, you know, you can scour the internet and be like, here's 14 songs that I found yesterday and I want to know what you think of them. I want to say thank you once again for listening for another week and we will talk to you next week. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at POI Game Studio.